this week, creating two-spirited space in Bay St. George, Mi'kma'ki, and beyond. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Wallah. Often it's used as an indigenous version of LGBTQ. In fact, 2S is often added to the end of that acronym. But we know little about gender in traditional Mi'kmaq society. Maybe as in many indigenous cultures, it was no big deal. In some nations, gender was defined by tasks, and it was possible to change roles by choosing different contributions to the group. Maybe that attitude of gender and sexuality as being without fixed boundaries is something we can recapture. Perhaps that would be a better approach in creating space in towns and cities of Mi'kma'ki and the other indigenous communities in our part of Turtle Island, where there is still a reluctance among many people, especially men, to do the coming out thing. Creating more of that space for personal expression is one of the objectives of the Wabanaki Two-Spirit Alliance. The name Wabanaki comes from the Confederacy of the Mi'kmaq and three other First Nations who lived in what is now Quebec, the Atlantic provinces, and down into the state of Maine. The Wabanaki Two-Spirit Alliance also includes the Inu and Inuit of Labrador. The alliance has received funding for outreach in Newfoundland and Labrador, and there is a conference in the works for September. One of the people doing the work is Evan Butler, who has been involved for some years in Bay St. George Pride. I spoke with him about being out in Stephenville, support from the Mi'kmaq community, and his work in the Wabanaki Two-Spirit Alliance. Okay, Evan, well, uh, great to have you on the program. And uh, we're going to talk about um, being two-spirited uh, and Mi'kmaq and uh, queer space in our, in our territory. But before we get there, let's uh, introduce listeners to yourself. Of course, many will know you, but for those who do not, uh, you live in um, in the Bay St. George area. Is it uh, near St. George's, I think? Yes, near St. George's in a community called Barsha Brook. Mm-hmm. And you also, you're a teacher at the uh, College of the North Atlantic. Uh, you teach, um, I think, animation, among other things. Animation and film primarily, yep. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who uh, follow you on uh, on Facebook, you're an excellent curator of uh, short films and other things that we would not otherwise see. So uh, thank you for that. Thank you. Um, and in terms of your, your uh, shall we say, activist involvement, uh, you've been with uh, Bay St. George Pride for some years and uh, the Wabanaki uh, Two-Spirited Alliance uh which also has uh, someone named Duma Young that uh, many of our listeners will recognize that name. So let's uh, let's start with uh, with your involvement in Bay St. George Pride, which just, uh, I understand, concluded. Uh, Bay St. George Pride there, this year was a little different 
because of the pandemic, yes. but went ahead in a in a new format. Yes. So uh, you know, but two three years ago now we switched from a fall Pride Week to a summer Pride Week, and then boom, suddenly we were it's COVID times, and everything had to change again. So both last year and this year uh, we went virtual. So this year we ran from um, June twenty second to twenty eighth, and we tried to uh, have the same sorts of events we would normally have but simply uh, put them out there in, in a virtual space. So that included things like drag shows and a drag story time. Uh, we had a, an evening sort of dinner party that people could actually learn how to prepare a particular meal. Uh, we, we had our proclamation uh, at the beginning of the week. Uh, we couldn't unfortunately have a march as we might normally, but otherwise it, it went ahead full steam. That's a proclamation from uh, the town of Stephenville or? Yes, yeah, so again, over the years we've, we've gone to to the town and and they've been very generous and very supportive uh, but in recent years we've started reaching out to the other communities around Bay St. George because we've we've realized that it's not simply Stephenville pride even though Stephenville is perhaps the big focus in Bay St. George that you know they reached out to Stephenville Crossing to Kippins to St. George's and and all the other communities all the way around the bay and and trying to increase our sort of presence and support. Mm. And what's the uh Obviously, I guess it's uh, a diverse uh, crowd that takes part in um, in Basin Shore Prod. You'll have you know people like yourself who are who are out there doing stuff, mm -hmm. and then you'll have people who are just uh, discovering certain parts of their of themselves. So it's um, I guess it's uh, you have all kinds of people, ages and points in life, and all that. Oh, very much so. And it's not just about people who sort of are part of the rainbow community, but we get a lot of allies. And actually, uh, the first pride meeting I'd went to back in 2013, I think I was the only person who was not straight. And it was absolutely amusing, but, but great in a lot of ways, because again, we, we need the support of our allies. And, and we need to all come together and not, not just about the rainbow community versus people who are not part of that community, but any sort of community needs, I think, should be supported by the community at large, mm. um, you know, to, to, to show how diverse we are all as humans. And uh, so, so, yeah, so I've been pleasantly surprised over the years to sort of see the wide array of ages. Uh, the wide array of of backgrounds that you know people come from, and so the committee also wants to try and respond uh, to that by creating events that are not just out at a bar. You know, it's not just a drag show where everyone's going to go and, and drink alcohol. Uh, no, we want to have events that will include family, that mm. will include kids, and so we've had events like. Um, people uh, would paint rocks. They got a bunch of rocks from the Stephenville beach and had a rock painting event uh, at a local, at the Killick cafe who have been phenomenal uh, support over the years. And, uh, and yeah, so we've been very pleasantly surprised at the diversity in, in uh, the people who take part in our pride week. Mm. And, uh, and overall, what is, uh, what is queer life like in Stephenville? Stephenville, of course, is a college town it has a big Mi'kmaq presence. It's a very political place. So mm -hmm. does that extend to uh, a welcoming hand to the two-spirit part of our, our nation also? I think we're getting there. There's still obviously a lot of room for growth. Otherwise, pride committees wouldn't exist <laughs> or wouldn't be needed. Um, so when I started coming out in the 90s, early 90s, I had a very difficult time in Stephenville. Um, and I got teased a lot, like a lot of people do. And... When I came back years later, it seemed like there still wasn't much of a, an open presence. Like I knew lots of people who, you know, belonged to the rainbow community, um, but uh, there was no scene. 
And I think now in 2021, there's still not really a scene per se, is we, we have the support, we have, uh, you know, not just of the Pride Committee, but of the, the communities themselves. Uh, and like you say, the, the, uh, the Mi'kmaq community here, I think are overall very inclusive and very supportive. Um, but it's still, um, I don't want to say hush-hush. I don't think that's quite right. I think it's still not like an out and proud sort of feeling is that you can go out and you can be yourself and you're not going to get stared at or teased in the same way I might have 25, 30 years ago. Um, but at the same time, there's no sort of queer physical space that I would necessarily go to. There, uh, even to have um, some like one night a month or one night a year <laughs> at a local bar or some other thing, outside of Pride Week, to me, uh, still seems sort of strange. Whereas in St. John's, which is obviously a much larger center, um, as somebody in 20s and 30s, uh, there was a bar I could go to. Now, even in St. John's, that was subdued. But that's starting to change uh, as well. So there's another organization that I've just recently become aware of that I'm trying to make connections with called Quadrangle. Uh, and that's one of the things they're doing is they're they're looking to not only represent and support the rainbow community, but actually create a physical space. Mm. Now, for that to happen in the Stephenville or Bay St. George area, I think we're a very long ways away from that. But simply having uh, a space like that in the province, I think, is a start and mm. something we can eventually sort of look towards. Right. So in Stephenville, people still want to be, quote unquote, discreet uh, as as the word goes. Uh, in it's terms sort of. of Yes. Yeah, as you say, it's a college town and, you know, kids in college are going to like experiment like with their, their own sort of uh, demeanor, with their own sort of fashion sense uh, and, and whatnot. And so, you know, we do see a lot of color, shall we say, whether it's in hair or clothing mm. or whatnot. Um, but it, I guess say it's it's uh, so it's out there and people aren't getting teased as much necessarily, not to say that that doesn't happen. Um, I think it still does. Uh, and there, that's why I think some people still struggle with coming out. Um, but it's, yeah, it is, it is certainly better. Mm. Cultural change is a process, of course, doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. No. Um, so let's talk about, uh, you, one of your other projects, which is the, the Wabanaki, uh, uh, Two-Spirit Alliance, mm -hmm. uh, which is a alliance of, uh, of Mi'kmaq and all the nations in, uh, our part of the world. Um, and, um, it's well. I think it's been around for uh, nearly a decade now. Uh, uh, you, uh, I think, have not been involved as long as uh, as that. But um, uh, tell us uh, what the uh, what the alliance does. Well, the alliance sort of came out of a realization. I think that um, there was a need for official support. I guess you might say uh, of. Uh, a space uh, of a, a community where two-spirited uh, Indigenous queer, Indigenous LGBTQQIA plus people could all sort of um, find each other and learn from each other, support each other. And so two individuals, Duma Young, who you just mentioned, and John Sillavoy kind of came to this realization of 10 years ago now and uh, sort of Put together basically formed the foundation of the Wabanaki Two-Spirit Alliance and over the last decade have that sort of uh, community has grown and and uh, so it reaches all the way down into Maine over to the Gaspé region uh, so the Gaspébéguiag uh, area of Quebec um, over here to Newfoundland up to Labrador and sort of everywhere in between and so 
in the last couple of years, uh, as that sort of community has grown, uh, is they've also realized now they sort of need to formalize this a bit. So they started seeking um, funding, core funding, basically to um, to be able to uh, create a more solid foundation that could hopefully uh, continue to grow. So with when they achieved this funding, um, and then of course COVID kicked off, which disrupted everything for everyone, uh, they had to sort of quickly shift. And while a big focus with the Alliance has been, say, about the mental health and physical health of the people in the community, that became even more evident uh, as COVID and the pandemic sort of uh, came to the forefront. And so they began a, a survey and that basically you know, asked the community, okay, what is it you need? They asked about their mental health. They asked about their physical health, whether they were able to find support systems, whether they're able to find work um, so, and support themselves financially. And um, in that time, that's when I was sort of formally uh, approached and, and eventually hired on along with two other representatives. So right now we do, this core funding has allowed basically John uh, Soloboy to be hired on as our executive director. And then there's myself, Gage Purley and Keisha Wilmot who were hired on as uh, community engagement coordinators. So now we're trying to do capacity development. So that's our big task, hopefully over the next year, uh, as well as sort of responding uh, in the more immediate sense to the pandemic and trying to find ways to support our community. And so that's really what the Alliance is, is all about, is just looking at the needs of the community and trying to respond to that and grow itself at the same time. Mm -hmm. So uh, along with that core funding, we also acquired some other funding, some of which has allowed us to hire a summer student uh, Naomi Bird, who's been absolutely amazing in sort of supporting us uh, coordinators and our ED, um, and also working on things like the information that we've gathered from our surveys. And we ran a second survey uh, as a response or a follow-up to our to last year's survey. And then sort of taking that information and uh, turning that into actually an academic paper that was uh, submitted to a journal. Uh, but then we're also doing things like uh, organizing our annual gathering. So over the last several years, uh, we've been fortunate enough to kind of move around the Wabanaki region. And, uh, you know, each part of the region would get to host the, um, the annual gathering, which also functions as our AGA, but allows us to do workshops, allows us to do presentations and simply get together as a community. And, uh, and that's been, uh, I think, a, a big, big thing for the Alliance is sort of having people actually get together and meet. Now, of course, with the pandemic, we can't, actually meet or not yet. Um, so we are looking at doing it virtually this year, much like the, the Pride Committee here ran virtual, this annual gathering will be virtual. And so we're gonna do a lot of the same sort of things. Again, we're gonna try and have workshops and presentations that people will be able to, to take part in, whether that's something like say drum making or learning to make uh, parts of your regalia, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it's about um, the community reaching out to each other and supporting each other. Mm, that's great. So. Uh, when um, <clears throat> do you have a tentative date for this year's uh, gathering? I suppose yes, sometime we, we this actually, fall. Yes, we we had had to shift it unfortunately. Um, so it's currently going set for September tenth to twelfth. Uh, the details will be released hopefully soon as we continue to lock in all the various events that will be part of that. And uh, but of course, with uh, the recent tragedies that have have come out uh, in the news and everything else that's on the go, that uh, we've we've had to sort of put some of that aside and focus on other things in the short term. But yes, very soon we will be announcing uh, the details of our gathering. 
So in the meantime, people can mark their calendars, September yes. 10 to 12. Save the date. Yes. Um, and your your role uh, in engagement is that in um, on the in the province of Newfoundland and Labrador, or is it across uh, across the territories? A little of both. So uh, myself, Keisha, and Gage each sort of have our own region. So I typically will deal with Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, Keisha deals with PEI Nova Scotia, and then Gage deals with New Brunswick. But we all work as a team. So uh, depending on what the project is or, or, or simply what we're trying to do, um, you know, there's always a lot of back and forth between all of us. Mm. And in that, um, in that territory, of course, you're dealing with a lot of diversity because you're dealing with, um, with everywhere from Nain um, mm -hmm. on the continent of Newfoundland and Labrador uh, to all the way down to Cornerbrook and Stephenville. So people... Uh, from different cultures, different lived experiences, so it's um, it'll be a challenge even for for you, Evan. To uh... indeed, it's um, I love meeting new people. However, and I love learning people's stories uh, and sharing the stories that I've you know picked up over the years. So that's that's one of my big tasks that I'm actually as much of a challenge as it is is I'm I'm looking forward to it. I've not been lucky enough to go to Labrador yet, so maybe through this job uh, I will get to go up and go to you know Inu and Inuit territory and meet people up there. Um, eventually, I would like to get down to to Con River, down to Mialbagay, and and kind of meet people there. I know people from there, but again, that's it's not a part of of the province that I've been lucky enough to get to yet. St. John's have come and gone a lot over the years. I've lived there for a number of years. But again, I'm now, because of this position, I'm discovering new people. And I absolutely love that part. Mm. Now let's, uh, of course, we're talking, uh, we're talking about, uh, there is a tendency, I think, to use two-spirited uh, queer uh, interchangeably. And uh, of course, two-spirited has a specific uh, meaning in, uh, in, uh, in Mi'kmaq, uh, for Mi'kmaq people and other First Nations people, uh, there was a history of, uh, I think, a history of uh, in many nations of people being, uh, as we might say, non-binary. Uh, people could change their could change their roles, and without getting pan indigenous about it, assuming that what was true of some uh, nations were was true of the Mi'kmaq. What do you have a sense in your own mind what of what it would have been like in traditional times if people uh, wanted to um, to live other than you know their their physical um, their physical beings to to change role as it were? Yeah, it's something I've wondered about for a very long time, and it's one of the reasons why I wish I could time travel. Um, and I guess some of it for me is. Um, because we are, we go by oral traditions and I didn't necessarily get a lot of those stories, particularly when I was young, I've been very eager to sort of learn. And so this is a big part of my, I guess, own journey of self-discovery. And so I long struggled with terms. So when I first started sort of coming out back in the early nineties, I tried on a number of terms and they, none of them ever quite fit, uh, and because I wasn't gay, I wasn't straight, and I was sort of somewhere in between. But I, you know, even back in the early '90s, bisexual was a word, but there wasn't necessarily a community, and that didn't sort of work for me. It felt too clinical anyway, and too binary, I guess you might say. Even the word binary, as we use it now, that wasn't a thing for me, at least back then. And so, you know, over the years, I, you know, I even 
somewhat sort of facetiously would, would call myself greedy, but picky. Um, but I, I've come to realize that that's, that's only one part of me. And for other people who identify as two-spirit, it has nothing to do with that, that necessarily, or very little to do with it. And so one of the big things that I guess I've been trying to, to, um, to learn about and teach people about is that when somebody says they're two-spirited, is that can be a little different uh, for them uh, than the person next to them, or very different, even within the Mi'kmaq nation that there will be people who will say, you know, this has nothing to do with my sexuality. This has nothing to do with who I'm attracted to. This is only to do with who I am as a person and how I act in the world. Um, I actually, I was on a panel with uh, Michelle Silliboy and Denise Cole, and Michelle had talked about um, that Mi'kmaq language is verb-based. It's all about action. It is about how we do things. Um, and that that kind of correlates with how we then self-identify and that for her you know it, it had nothing to do with who she's attracted to it's simply how she acts in the world and you know i talked about how for me you know even though i'm not a spiritual person i look at this term two-spirit to sort of um self-analyze to sort of realize that i am not particularly masculine nor am i particularly feminine but i'm i'm a bit of each and that can fluctuate and change from day to day, week to week, et cetera, et cetera. So for me, I, you know, I embrace both spirits in me and I use that to inform how I'm going to act in the world. And that's whether I'm simply doing work <laughs> around the house or whether I'm out, you know, actively involved in the community is for me, two spirit is, is how I, um, how I go out and do things in the world. Mm. That's very interesting. Uh, when you mention uh, the Mi'kmaq language, of course, compared to French, which is very gendered, there's a masculine, there's a feminine. Everything has a masculine and a feminine. Dean Simon will correct us, uh, but I don't think that Mi'kmaq has that same uh, gender uh, orientation to the language. As you say, it's verb-based. Yes. I mean, and, we do have words for man, for woman, for, for this. But when you're talking, particularly in the third person, you know, we would say he or she in English, uh, or il or elle in, in, uh, in French. But in, in Mi'kmaq, it's nigam, which is a gender neutral term. Mm. And I, I, I've always found uh, it lacking in English. And I know I've been aware of the fact that I guess, you know, even though we have romantic language roots in English, that we never carried on the gender sort of neuter term. Uh, and, you know, some people have started using they, which I'm fully supportive of. I think language should continue to shift and change and, and revolve around the people who use it. It shouldn't force the people <laughs> to sort of go a particular way. I mean, to realize we need guidelines. We need to learn the structure of a language, but the language itself should shift. And um, so, so yeah, that's one thing I'm definitely envious of, I guess, uh, of the Mi'kmaq language. Well, great, Evan. Uh, you've got a lot on the go. So thank uh, thank you for all that you're you're doing um and um we'll be watching for uh for news about the the conference in september the wabanaki two-spirited uh alliance and um so good luck with that and good luck on your travels uh throughout Mi'kma'ki, meeting two-spirited people here there and everywhere well alan evan butler of the wabanaki two-spirit alliance you can get more information on the Alliance at its website, w2sa.ca. 
And that's it for episode 185. Thanks for your support via patreon.com and email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. And you can also use that email for story ideas, compliments, criticism, or anything else you want to let us know about. Alison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. This is Glenn Wheeler saying, Nimaltus. Nimaltus.